Welcome to Two Ages in the Facts, where University of Georgia's Family Consumer Science agents, Leslie Weaver-Thomas of Chatham County and Carrie Vandiver of Ware County, host friendly discussions on reliable, relatable, research-based topics on real-life issues. Hey, Leslie. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Great. It's, so, warm. it's warm. It's weird. It's spring and it I don't hot. understand it. It is hot. <laughs> and I have a confession. I'm going to the beach this weekend. I don't, I'm not even ashamed. Oh, man. I don't even care. That sounds nice. I'm going to a kid's birthday party, but. I'm going that Sunday, but I'm going to the beach this weekend. <laughs> so. Um, so we're finishing up February. Yes. So we have to finish all things great about February. So here we go. (gasps) Did you know that February is a national wedding month? I had no idea. Wow. Because because people like Valentine's Day. What is Valentine's Day? Because it's a love (laughs) month. But I really think, Carrie, it's because people get engaged um, February. You know, everyone wants to propose on Valentine's Day. Uh So it's like national wedding month. So maybe it's because everyone's talking about their wedding. Um, and they're getting ready for the spring because it's about to be the warm wedding month. So that is probably exactly biggest planning time. Okay. Okay. So you're going to talk about shops are getting crowded. It's going down. So, um, a few things to talk about a wedding. Sometimes you think about weddings, you know, there's TV shows, say yes to the dress, all different things Mm. Four favorites weddings. We want to spend a lot of money on weddings, right. In fantasy land. But in reality, you really don't have to do that. Do you? We really can't do that. No, we None of us can. <laughs> no, we cannot. We cannot. We cannot. So uh, I'm going to give us a few tips on National Wedding Month, about National Wedding Month, on how to keep your wedding inexpensive, okay? And I got this from a really cool wedding blog. There's actually 47 ways to keep your wedding inexpensive, but I'm just going to give like maybe nine, right? Okay. So here we go. No, you can have an affordable wedding anywhere, okay? Anywhere. anywhere. A park, a lake. Manhattan, Savannah, Waycross, anywhere, right? Right. So the average wedding um, cost in the United States is shy of $34,000. Okay, a bit, right? That's a lot. The average shift by location. So um, the average wedding cost in Idaho is $16,000. Okay. That's the average? I, I guess it's still pretty high for Idaho. I'm just saying. I don't know. About well, that. I was just, I, I'm not going to name where I used to work, but I was a wedding coordinator at a location before. And I mean, our food and beverage minimums were higher than the, than 34,000. So, really, Carrie? Yeah. So did you have a big bloody wedding? How high dollar my weddings were. <laughs> I mean, I knew they were nice, but. Did, did you have a big gaudy wedding? No, not where my wedding was, where oh. I worked. Oh, where you worked. Yeah. Okay, got it. No, okay, I most certainly did not have a gaudy wedding. What do you think you're what? Listen, I went, my wedding was still Magnolia style. Mom was like, the <laughs> bashful pink and pink, like pink, right? So, <laughs> so the average wedding in Manhattan is $96,000. Mm. I believe that because I just feel like we have to go from Tiffany's 
Harry, Winston, all the way around. I would do it. If, if I could, I would. <laughs> it's a right? good thing, Craig, that Leslie's not from Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> right. So no matter where you are, however, all these things sound great, but no matter where you are, you don't have to spend the average. You can have whatever you like. You can spend $100, $500, $3,000. I mean, literally, can I just say, for my wedding, I had one bouquet and Craig had a boutonniere and that was it. I didn't have a stick of flour or anything. And that was our ceremony. And people said how beautiful it was. We just stood outside. Leslie, your so, wedding was so beautiful. But we didn't have anything, Carrie. We were, it was just us. I need literally. to go. I'm sorry. I need to go back. And I, and I don't mean to like get all up in your business here, but not your business, but stopping what you're talking about. But I'm wrong about the food and beverage minimum. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't what 16, I thousand. It was more like 10. But okay. still, then that's on top of all the other stuff. So it's still going to be more. So okay. I'm wrong. I, I went a little crazy. I want to say when we were looking at certain <laughs> places, I want to say our drink, our food and beverage minimum had to be like seven or eight, like five to eight. And that was a small, a small package. Maybe mine was our, I don't know. It was so long ago. I can't remember. Okay. I'm well, sorry. Here <laughs> Here's the next one. Know where you're getting your wedding money from. Know where your money is coming from, right? In 2018, nearly 10% of couples paid for their own weddings. Most couples, um, the 80% are in the middle. They had a mix of contributors. So, you know, if you're in the South, some people feel like, oh, the bride's parents are going to pay for the wedding and the groom's parents are going to pay for the rehearsal or maybe they'll cover the bar or something like that. But nowadays, that's no longer. You get married, your parents are like, okay, good luck. Like, you guys pay for it. It, it, Or they give you the option. Either you're going to want us to pay for the wedding or we can gift you for a home. Pick one, right? Yeah. So these things you need to look into. Know where your money's coming from, right? Um, sit down and do your finances um, and really look at your stakeholders um, to establish who's contributing. Kindly establish boundaries. You don't want to say, okay, well, I'm going to dab in, tap into my student loan money this month, pay for the wedding. Or we don't have to have cable or we could just live in a really crappy apartment or I'm not going to renew our lease um, <laughs> so we can have this big fancy wedding, right? The, be aware of what you're trying to sacrifice and to whom you're sacrificing it for, right? Number three, Commit to affordable wedding and uh, clarify your priorities. Some people think, oh, we're going to have 10 ice sculptures. I'm going to have a band. Then I'm going to have a, my famous recording artist to come out and sing. And then we're going to have lights and fireworks. That is not real life. Where are we? Like, no, you may really want to prioritize on how you want this to, how this to go. But not only just for yourself, those who are participating in the weddings. I hate to be in a wedding and you're getting like a $300 or $500 bridal um bridesmaid's dress oh yes that's yes. that's a bit much yes and i know i'm not the frugal penny i, I am frugal but i'm at some things are just a little obscene like that's a lot right well and so, consider that too not just the with, with your bridal party that when you you've asked them to pay maybe that much for a dress and then also you want to have a great bachelorette weekend but you can't just go next door to tabby allen you gotta go to New York or Las Vegas, Pocono, Puerto Rico. They got to tickets and do all the. That's that's too much to ask it's a lot of people. Yeah, my favorite thing to say to my friends and to other people when you're having a wedding, people still have to live. Yeah, <laughs> like people have to live. So commit to affordable wedding and clarify priorities. You've said yes to each other. Now it's time to commit to affordable wedding. Set aside time to discuss what you will use your money on and for later, right? So you're really planning, not just for day, but you're planning for life. And if you realize, hey, my partner is thinking about 
having the Backstreet Boys come out for the reunion for my wedding, maybe this is not the guy for me, right? <laughs> maybe we need to reprioritize some things, right? He has that kind of money to spend and then, hey. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. This is a much needed conversation to have anyway. It helps set forward and prioritize the understandings of what matters to each of you. Decide together on what you're using and and using the saved money to pay down student loans or to pay down debt. Like I said, be aware of what you're trying to use your money with, okay? Number four, create. And when you can create things, you can stay within your budget. This is absolutely essential. Almost half of the couples, 45%, uh, said that they went over their, their wedding budget. Nearly an equal amount stayed on budget and just 6% say that they came under budget. The takeaway, once you establish a budget, it's not only um, the, the final tally would be much lo lower, right? So once you have an idea, we're staying under this, you may come in way lower than that, right? So you may have a little money left over for a nice honeymoon or a nice trip or something later. But so this is saying that it's most likely that it won't be much lower. If it is lower, it will only be a little lower. So maybe you should set your budget, try to set, try to set your budget even lower. Because, exactly. because, kind of because we tend to naturally, not even just for wedding budgets, but budgets in general say, well, I know I said I was only going to spend this much, but it's like on HGTV. They're always going over budget on those houses. Right? Well, and the thing that's losing about that, Kira, it's like, oh, I'm a teacher and I'm a candlestick maker. What's your budget? $4,525,000. How? Like, where were you living? Your car before this? How is that even happening? Don't you hate that? Exactly. Right. So, <laughs> I, how is that your budget? Set your budget <laughs> even lower because you know you're going to go. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So next thing is like uh, minimize the size of your guest list. I'm not going to lie to you all. I truly believe old big weddings are out. I think small intimate weddings are in and you can think COVID. I truly believe that people That's having. True. You have. I don't think people are having. These sorry, days. we're only doing 50 people. Because that's it. It's what's safe. That's it. Listen, a smaller guest list means lower cost wedding for many reasons. You book a smaller venue, about half the cost of the average wedding. You also have a more modest cost of food, beverages, and services, table settings, linings, and invitations. If I have a guest of 50 people, we could have prime rib, that's a right. lobster tail. All, all the nice things you want for Listen, your wedding celebration. You can we're have, gonna have uh, We're going to have. Um, a very plush dessert menu, like it's gonna go down. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Versus 150. And that you're only gonna talk to 50 people anyway. <laughs> you're not talking exactly. to all those people. Exactly. 20. If you have a table of 25, everybody, every, every uh, table could get their own personal bottle of wine out of a selected wine list. There's so many different things you can do with a smaller party, right? Yeah. So minimize your guest list. Uh, there are positives to a big and small weddings because uh, you're opting for a small one. Let's focus on those. Smallers, small weddings allow you to relax and enjoy the day with your nearest and dearest. And that's so true, right? Then rather hanging out with your mom's book club friends, like, oh, we got to invite Miss Joanne. I've never even met Miss Joanne. You know, <laughs> so why are we inviting her, right? And people don't realize when you go to weddings, everybody has to eat, unfortunately. That's an extra plate. So I'm spending $35 on Miss Joanne, a whole plate. I don't even know her. Yeah. No, you're right. It's the truth. So a smaller <laughs> wedding and guys, you know, you're going to be nervous and, and, and just exhausted anyway. Don't add the extra stress of having to like fake it with all these people all day. Right. Like you want to be with right. your closest and nearest and dearest. Yeah. For sure. 
but I think the days carry of I have 12 bridesmaids is out. I don't think people are doing that anymore. I, I think you're wrong, but I do think people are doing it. Could be doing more of the smaller, but people are for sure still doing that. <sighs> Going to a little okay well okay fine but still I'm just saying whatever here's another really interesting thing I don't know if I could do it but one of my favorite TV characters she did it so I know it's possible go to the thrift store uh for your dresser suit my favorite character Carrie on my favorite uh HBO show Blink in the City you're giving stuff away because I still haven't seen the new is this the new this is the old episode this is the old season when she married big they she went to a thrift store and she had a dress by no one it was a no-name dress it was like a little white when they eventually did get married yes because at first she said okay okay i'm sorry for yes she got her suit from the the thrift store so um wedding dresses and suits and tuxes are so often a sizable a sizable line item for on wedding budgets and tuxes and stuff are expensive i had no idea i had no idea I don't wear tuxes, so I didn't know how expensive they were, but they are very expensive. Um, but they don't have to be. You can find a beautiful vintage wedding dress or tux or suit in a thrift store. Um, make a day of it and see what you can find. Or your wedding finery may find a little mending or tailoring, but if that's really if that cost is adds up, it may be way less than a beer wedding dress. Just saying. You know, we we didn't get Jeff's suit from a thrift store, but or my dress, but we did, instead of renting an expensive tux or getting a mm-hmm. you know, special tailored suit or whatever, we, we went to Macy's and found a, a really nice suit that he then continued to wear beyond that. It wasn't like, you know, we didn't have a black exactly. suit, so it wasn't something he couldn't ever wear again. It was a suit that we, it was a good investment that we, he continued to wear. Craig, Craig like, wore his, you know, Craig wore his Brooks Brothers suit and he mismatched it, by the way. He was like, oh, I like this better. Fine, whatever. He wore that, and I wore a dress from Express. Oh, Leslie, we got you. T- oh, people have seen your picture, man. I was looking so at that. Was it? That was it. Was from Express, and you know what? Also, was very interesting to me, Carrie. When I started looking for dresses, ex- due to COVID, ex- uh, Express had a wedding area. So did J. Crew. So did Banana Republic. Oh, well, this wasn't because of COVID. Because my my wedding dress was J. Crew, and it was from two thousand. Okay. But was it just like a A line? But was it a real? Well, they had real big ones, but mine was like a, I mean, it was a floor length with buttons that actually buttoned, but just a, just real simple and straight, but it was a lot. Okay. It wasn't a, okay. a cocktail. Like, okay. no. well, there you have it. So these are things to look for, look for a good a suit, men, look for a good suit on, on online or on sale. You can go from there. Next, pick a venue close to home. I appreciate this. I do not like, and I'm going to say it. I don't like to have to go to weddings. And I have to go a thousand miles away, right? Mm-hmm. I hate to say it. We have to go, to, we're going to Brooklyn for a wedding soon, right? I don't mind going to New York though. Like, I think that's going to be a great <laughs> trip. We're going to have to just bundle all that into a vacation. But, <laughs> but it's like, you know, if you have weddings that are like overseas or other things like that, you have to take in consideration that, hey, maybe all these people can't come. Or maybe my guest list is going to be forced to be smaller because everyone can't travel. And maybe that's why you're doing it. That's true too. Because we that's aren't saying too. that, right? I mean, that's true. That's yeah. true too. That's true too. So destination ways are expensive for you and your guests because they're involved travel and overnight accommodations. Sticking close to home um, is money saver and it seems like the right call and affordable for nuptials because home is where the heart is. So it's something to think about. But I do, I do know a lot of people, they 
for that elope style wedding, mm-hmm. they will just go over overseas or say, we're going to Jamaica. And for those who want to come, they can come. Yeah. And just like Brooklyn, you can get a whole, because I plan on like staying a few days. We're going to get the show. Like we're going to just work that out. Yeah. Right. So it's going to be fun. I hope we're getting married like at the Brooklyn Museum or something like, so we can <laughs> make the venue like, <laughs> like a tourist site. Just saying. <laughs> Why don't you call a couple and tell them where you think it should be? <laughs> just saying. <laughs> if they need to, if they had to do something, you know. So last one, getting married at town hall, followed by dinner at a restaurant. This is exactly what I did. <laughs> hey, is this a tip or is this just you saying? These are tips. These are tips. <laughs> but due to COVID, guys, I could not get, I couldn't get, and I don't know anybody else, I couldn't get married at town hall because they weren't doing weddings and the judges were backed up. So I had to get creative. But there you have it. And I he think had the mayor marry her. She's so faithful. <laughs> he's he, our mayor's versatile. He's down to do whatever. So and he's legal. So there you have it. So for this option, a wedding guest is going to have to be a, a micro size, right? Invite a witness and a handful of people for a brief ceremony at town hall. If you're marrying in a large city, you'll often be waiting in a line with soon other people who are going to get married. That's kind of cute. Um, and if you are uniquely joyful. Uh, for a, a commune, uh, a companion communion kind of all together experience. And actually my minister asked, he was like, is it just you or is it like other couples? So supposedly a lot of that's been going on lately because people could not get married when they were supposed oh. to do the COVID. They were just kind of saying, I do all together. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Just saying. So there you have some quick ways to do an inexpensive wedding. Also, I, one that I did not see, but I like to say it, um, make your own centerpieces. Ladies, a lot of people make their centerpieces like, and they do it with their mother-in-law, their mom, and it's a great way, or their grandmother, um, really the women in their family, it's a great way to bond and something sentimental. And centerpieces are great. I've also seen people um, for small weddings, they have different place settings, like China mm-hmm. settings. Mm-hmm. So they have those from like different women in their families that they care about. So people bring their beautiful China sets for each table. That is really cool. Mm-hmm. So there were, that cuts a whole uh, expensive bill for dining. That's that's for sure. So that's a new that's something you can look at. But there's all different kind of ways that you can have an inexpensive wedding. And since it's February, I'm sure you guys are talking about it. So there you have it. And if you guys are not t- thinking, oh, well, I'm already married, you may have a daughter that you have to marry off. You may have a son who's getting ready to get married. Take some of these ideas. Save some of your money. There you have it. That's great, Leslie. <laughs> Um, I was just thinking about with centerpieces or or decorations in general, and it depends on your style and what you like, but when you're getting married, there's always some holiday that was right before that, right? So you may not want like Easter bunnies at your wedding ceremony, but surely there were pretty pastel things that are like mm-hmm. that you could pick through and, and get on sale to help with your, with your decor style. Maybe now, you know, I saw a wedding one time on the beach that, they had used um, leftover um, Valentine crepe paper and stuff. And I know that they thought it was beautiful, but you know how I feel about Valentine's. So, so I hated it. <laughs> I wasn't the one I knew. I just happened to come upon it, but I know they were very happy with, with what they had done and it was the best day of their lives. So, you know, that's just an option. Um, all right. <laughs> Without sounding, that sounded so snobby. I didn't mean for it to. Just, just valid. Any other, any other decor is fine. Not the anyway. All right. Not the hearts. Not the hearts. 
Not the hearts. I wouldn't have hearts either. Just saying. But speaking of hearts, um, and oh. and speaking of uh, themes of February, it's also Heart Health Month, right? Heart Health Month. So Leslie's topic was a lot of fun, and mine's going to be a little less fun, and I'm sorry for that. But we're going to talk about heart health. So according to the CDC, high blood pressure or hypertension affects nearly one in two adults in the United States. This condition, which is also known as the silent killer, um, and it's known as this because it has no warning signs and most people do not know that they have it. Um, it increases a person's risk of cardiovascular disease, including heart disease and stroke. In 2019, cardiovascular disease caused one out of three deaths in the United States, totaling 877,503 deaths. But so this is always, blood pressure is confusing to me. I've, I've never, I always, I don't know what the right numbers are. I don't really know what, what is blood pressure. It's always, I don't know what, it's just on my radar yet. I think it will be, and it, it should be more because of what I teach, but it's just not always a thing that I'm real cognizant of. So, uh, well, the best blood pressure is what, 120 over 80? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, blood pressure though is it's a, it's measured using two numbers, right? Cause you're saying that to me. Okay, Leslie. Yeah. 120 over 80. What does that mean? I don't know. Like okay. the first number, uh, the first number is called systolic blood pressure. Uh-huh measures the pressure in your arteries when your heart beats and then the second number which is called diastolic blood pressure measures the pressure in your arteries when your heart rests between the beats so that makes sense pressure when it's the pressure when it's resting um additionally blood pressure is measured in a unit called mmhg or millimeters of mercury so your changes throughout the day based on your activities obviously because if i've just gone on a run my heart's gonna be beating faster there's gonna be a lot more pressure right right so um well but if i'm just sitting here and i'm calm and meditative it's gonna be a little mellowed out Uh um and and like leslie said a normal blood pressure level is less than 120 over 80 mmhg Having blood pressure measures consistently above normal may result in a diagnosis of high blood pressure or hypertension. This can develop over time because of unhealthy lifestyle choices like not getting enough exercise or other health conditions, diabetes, obesity, and even pregnancy um, can also increase someone's risk of developing hypertension. The American College of Cardiology and American Heart Association defines hypertension as blood pressure that is greater than or equal to 130 over 80 millimeters of mercury or MMHG. And according to the CDC, most Americans with hypertension do not have it under control. But the CDC says that it is possible for many people to lower their blood pressure or maintain a healthy blood pressure simply by making the lifestyle changes you all hear us tell you about all the time, right? So there are things like um, try to get 30 minutes of physical activity in every day, don't smoke, maintain a healthy weight and diet by following my plate guidelines. 
and limiting salt and alcohol consumption. And of course, find ways to balance and manage your stress. Sometimes these lifestyle changes are not enough and hypertension patients may need to take medication to help control their blood pressure in addition to keeping a healthy lifestyle. So it's not good enough to just take the medicine. You still need to make the changes, make the, you know, the effort to, to keep that healthy lifestyle. Um, if you have or think you have high blood pressure, it is crucial that you speak with your healthcare provider about what is best for your health. But Carrie, you just told me, right, that there are no warning signs for hypertension. How am I supposed to know if I need to talk to someone about it? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> that's what I think. Like, how am I supposed to know if I'm supposed to talk to somebody? Well, one, he should be getting regular checkups at the doctor. Okay. Um, but the CDC says that the only way to know if you have high blood pressure is to have a doctor or other health professional measure it. You can even check it yourself at most pharmacies or at home with a personal blood pressure measurement. At, uh, excuse me. You can even check it yourself at most pharmacies or at home with a personal blood pressure measurement device. If you do have high blood pressure, you should talk with your doctor about self-measurement at home. There is a term and an acronym for this practice, by the way. It's called self-measured blood pressure monitoring or SMBP. The CDC says that evidence shows that people with high blood pressure are more likely to lower their blood pressure if they use SMBP combined with support from their healthcare team than if they don't use SMBP. So when following this practice, it is recommended that you keep a log to record your blood pressure measurements. The CDC has a great form log available that we can share on our Facebook page. And it's also recommended that you take your blood pressure at the same time every day and that you take at least two readings, one or two minutes apart. How often you measure your blood pressure really depends on whether or not you have high blood pressure and what your doctor directs you to do. Either way, an accurate reading will give you a better picture of your health risks. The CDC says that many things can affect a blood pressure reading, including nervousness about having your blood pressure taken, what you ate, drank, or did before your reading, and how you are sitting. Whether you're getting your blood pressure checked often or less frequently at the doctor's office or home, follow this checklist of how to have it measured properly. So do not eat or drink anything 30 minutes before you have a measurement done. Empty your bladder before your reading. Sit in a comfortable chair with your back supported for at least five minutes before your reading. Put both feet flat on the ground and keep your legs uncrossed. Rest your arm with the cuff on a table at chest height. Make sure the blood pressure cuff is snug, but not too tight. The cuff should be against your bare skin, not over clothing. And do not talk while your blood pressure is being measured. The American Heart Association and the CDC have handouts to help you remember how to do this, how to manage your blood pressure, how to log it, and what to ask and do during your first blood pressure reading. And we'll share all these resources on our Facebook page. So I know this wasn't a lot of fun, <laughs> but I do. Those were great tips. Oh, yeah. Um, and I say that because I think of our FNAP lesson when we talk about hypertension and blood pressure and things, and we ask them, where can you go, participants, where can you go get your blood pressure checked? But we never explain to them how important it is to sit up straight yeah. Empty your bladder. You know, these, these 
uh, don't eat 30 minutes before. Those are really good notes of things that people need to be aware of. And maybe they may come out with a different reading. Yeah. So good stuff. Yeah. Cool. I learned. <laughs> that's, that's what I wanted. <laughs> All right. Well, so our final topic for today is okay. we're, going, um, we're going with themes of the month, right? And yep. Once February is is um, Black History Month. Yeah, it is. It is all month. Uh, yes. And in line with that, with my last topic and um, and with Black History Month, I do want to point out to y'all that for African, this is from the American Heart Association. It said, mm-hmm. uh, for African Americans, high blood pressure often develops early in life. The prep. Mm-hmm high blood pressure or hypertension in African-Americans in the United States is among the highest in the world. More than 40% of non-Hispanic African-American men and women have high blood pressure. Uh, for, for, for African-Americans, high blood pressure also develops earlier in life and is usually more severe. Yes. So this, this is, oh, go ahead. No, so this is definitely a cultural, a cultural, uh, situation or health awareness, I think you would say. Um, so but- even if you're young and healthy, um, it's, it's, I think this is clear that it's even more important if you're African-American to, to mm-hmm. consider going ahead and, and checking your blood pressure. Even if it was good yesterday, just go ahead and make that a regular check. Even You don't have to buy the cuff, but when you go to the pharmacy to pick something up, just sit down at that free machine and get your blood pressure checked. Or go by the fire station. Yeah. You know, um, when I was being raised, I was always taught we never ate a lot of pork because that's something that handles a lot of salt. So we never ate a lot of pork. Um, or we're always aware of a lot of salty things. Like I love French fries from McDonald's, but my mom was like, you need to get a small or medium. Like having a large fry was a treat, right? <laughs> so make sure that you're uh, maintaining your salt intake. So this is just something to always be aware of. Um, you know, after you eat something, be aware how you feel, if your hands get swollen, if you get a headache, all these things, it just happens. And I was looking at the same site, Carrie, and I was thinking, well, why is this such a big cultural issue? And it says that researchers researchers have found that uh, there may be a gene that African-Americans have that um, produces much more salt as a sensitive situation, right? So the the salt, we have more reactions than others, and that's what it seems like. Um, and people who have this gene, um, as, as little as one extra gram, half teaspoon of salt can raise the blood pressure um, as much sure. as five. Yeah. So that's something really to think about is, uh, yeah, that's, that's just culturally awareness. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up for to your attention, Leslie. Yeah, no, you yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, what's next? All right, so well, we're well, we're in our third topic, right? We're talking about right. um, I, black I, history. I went back to my second topic, but yeah, we're talking about black history. Mm-hmm. And, um, so Carrie pointed out, and I forgot to mention to you because I didn't know this because I was doing I did some programs this month. It is Black History Month's theme is health and wellness. Yes. So that's why I wanted to tie all that back together. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that is the theme for this year. Um, so I shared, uh, I'm going to share a cool fact about Daniel Hale, Hale Williams. 
Uh, he earned his medical degree in starting working as a surgeon in Chicago in 1884. Uh, because of discrimination of hospitals at that time, um, bared uh, Black doctors from working. Uh, Dr. Williams opened up the first Black-owned interracial hospital, interracial hospital. Okay, so on July 10th, 1893, Williams successfully repaired the pericardium, which is the sac surrounding the heart. Um, of a man who was stabbed in a knife fight. The operation was considered to be the very first carry documented successful open heart surgery on a human. And Williams is regarded as the first African-American cardiologist. Ooh. So there you have it. 1884. Yeah. Well, the surgery was 1893. I'm sorry. But still, maybe that was a long time ago. And imagine how far heart, think about how far open heart surgery now has come. It's like, now, you know, people have hope, hope in heart surgery. They want you to sit up, walk around, like right after, you know, they, it has come a yeah. ton. They do them like five a day. It's no big deal. Walk around with hearts and beer coolers. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right? It's a, seriously, like think about how, how far it's come. So pretty cool. All right. Well, so in light of health and wellness, I also wanted to uh, bring up, I'm a, I'm a fangirl of uh, former first lady, Michelle Obama. It's true. I think everybody knows, but like if, if she walked in the room, I might faint. <laughs> Do you ever see the episode of Parks and Recreation where Leslie Nope ran into Michelle Obama in the hallway and she like was speechless? That would be me just like Maybe, maybe I'm an intelligent, put together human being, but if she walked in, I would just go. <laughs> You'll lose it. <laughs> I don't feel that way about people, but I do about her. <laughs> but uh, you know, Michelle Obama championed the Let's mm -hmm. Move campaign, and um, had a lot to do with with my plate, which is what we mm -hmm. uh, preach about. Yes, and it's such a wonderful way an easier way for people to understand nutrition than ever before and I just just can't can't say enough about that but so I was looking at some things that she said about you know the impact of their programs and um oh I've just got two quotes from her Leslie and I can't decide between them. I'm just going to do both of them if that's okay so this one about the impact of the work that she did with the USDA um, and, and other folks with, with Let's Move and that sort of thing. It says, over the past five years, we have truly changed the culture around healthy eating and living in this country. Food companies are racing like never before to create healthier versions of their products. Even convenience stores are selling fruits and vegetables. Head to the local mm -hmm. drive-thru and kids' meals might include apples and skim milk. This was, on 20, this was in 2015 when she said this, by the mm -hmm. way. Uh, schools are growing gardens. They're moving beyond just pizza and tater tots to lunches filled with fresh produce mm -hmm. and grains. Companies are actually rewarding employees for eating right and going to the gym. And it mm -hmm. seems like everyone's running out to buy those fitness bracelets. Five years ago, all this stuff would have been considered cutting edge, but now today it's our new norm. Let me tell y'all, I remember people just making a big fuss about the changes that she, that her initiatives were implementing. And mm -hmm. I didn't understand why they were so upset about them. But think about the difference in the health culture today based yeah. on stuff that that happened while while she was in the White House. Well, think about think about not only think about like the school lunches, but think about our insurance companies as adults and employees, right? Yeah. The buy-in and the human resource of 
hey, have yoga for lunch or, you know, go to take a yoga class or, you know, check your, your health and wellness website for your insurance company to see what options you have to be healthy. And Make sure healthy. you're balancing your time. Make sure you're right. taking care of yourself. Right. Work-life oh, balance. This kind All of that kind stem of from, from the yes. things he did. Yes. yes. So even, I can't. Yeah. So even in the workplace, that human resource of pouring back into your staff, that definitely, uh, definitely came from that. And I'm not gonna lie. When I used to be in the schools and those kids had lunches, I used to be like, "Hey, give me your kiwi." Like they had some fresh stuff in there, <laughs> you know. Like what are those blueberries? Couldn't even find it at the grocery store. Give me that. <laughs> so, just saying. Oh, Leslie, you're talking <laughs> about stealing the children's. <laughs> just saying, like you know, and and introduce and expose our children to a different palate to things that they might have been. You know, the parents probably didn't buy it home because, A, where did you get it? When are you going to try it? So it's like, oh, I tried this at school. Now I want to have it at home. So there you have it. Yeah. I'm not going to do this because I just feel like this was so. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm glad you shared that. Gosh. That's real life. Anyway. Period, we literally have soaked up the whole month of February. We did good. We did good. <laughs> Y'all, Leslie and I did good. You're welcome. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode on this last day of the month. Right? Yeah. All okay. right. <laughs> See y'all next month. All right. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>